Good to see you all here tonight. Would you take your Bibles and join me in Philippians chapter 1, please? As we continue our study through this letter on Wednesday nights. And I would like to once again read verses 6 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. The Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So we've spent the last two weeks now in verse 7. And last week we considered our need to defend and confirm the gospel. We need to have all the answers we can. We won't have all the answers, I understand that. But we ought to study and we ought to be as prepared as we can to answer every man that asketh us of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And so that requires us to study. We defend. Then we need to confirm the gospel, which means we need to establish the gospel. Those who will receive it, we then want to establish it in their life. We want them to become grounded in Christ. So we first want them to be one to Christ. Then we want them to be rooted. And that's our hope with anybody that we see come to Christ is that it won't just be a salvation and get dunked experience, amen? But that they will go on to be discipled. They'll be faithful and that we'll try to teach them in our discipleship class and and then in here, obviously. And and so we, we hope that this is the trend. And the reason why Paul says there at the end, you're all partakers of my grace. We want people to be partakers of the grace that we have been made partakers of. Amen. Um, Being a partaker of God's grace is something we should want everyone to experience. And once you've experienced it, you'll understand that. Amen. And now in verse 8, Paul returns to what we considered in the first half of verse 7 where he talked about, I have you in my heart. And now in verse 8, he adds to this saying, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And he begins by saying here, for God is my record. Meaning, I'm not just saying this, but I genuinely mean what I'm writing to you. What I'm going to say, this is heartfelt, and it's not just some clever saying that we tend to get caught up in at times. We'll just kind of say stuff. Yeah, I love you too. Do we really? You know what I mean? Um, Paul here says, For God is my record. God who knows my heart can attest that what I'm saying to you, what I'm trying to convey to you is true. Paul here, he's being very sincere in what he is expressing to them. And how does he feel about them? He says he greatly longs after them all. Paul earnestly desired to be with the Philippian believers. By now you've probably heard the 
I'm sure it's just a made-up story, but you've probably heard of the letter that Marie wrote to Jimmy. But if you haven't, here you go. Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since I broke off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the lottery. Yeah, so this insincere type of love, right? Um, I think sometimes we can be guilty of that on a smaller scale, but how many times have you seen someone profess love for another and it's really just self-serving? It's not heartfelt at all. There's a lot of examples we could give there. I'm not sure I want to get into it all. Um, But certainly, um, many young men have used that tactic to take advantage of young women and express a love that's not really there to get something they want. And once they have it, they're kind of like, what's his head back there in the Old Testament? What's his name? But Ammon had a friend, Ammon. And once he took from Tamar that which didn't belong to him, he then hated her more than he loved her. And so... Um, Certainly we understand that people can have this self-serving kind of a love. Um, But Paul here, he's being genuine. He he really longs after them. And it's not just because they sent financial assistance. It's not just that they helped to meet a ministerial need. But he wants them to know, I genuinely want to be there with you. I, I, I love you. God is my record that I desire to be there. Why? Because he had them in his heart, right? And I desire to be there. To greatly long after another is to crave with intensity, like Dr. Pepper. (laughs) I would say it's like being homesick when your greatest desire is to be back around your loved ones. This same Greek word here is used in chapter 2 in this manner. Obviously, we'll look at this more when we're in chapter 2. But um, there was a member of the Philippian church. His name was Epaphroditus. It it appears he was a member there, and he was sent to Paul in Rome to give this assistance that the Philippian church had taken up. He's the delivery guy. And he gets to Rome, and he gets sick. And he gets so sick, Paul said he he was nigh unto death. And and you'll find this over in Philippians 2.26. It says, For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that she heard that he had been sick. So Epaphroditus, he had a longing to be back with loved ones at his home church. He wanted to express to them uh, how much he loved them and cared for them. And I think it often this kind of thing often intensifies when we are closer to death. I don't know that from experience, but I've watched it. I've observed it. We have seen those moments when someone is on their deathbed and they really want to see a family member before they pass. And it's strange because family member will be flying in or driving in and they'll finally get to see their loved one who's about to pass and sure enough, they'll visit not long after they'll pass. I think we saw that with Joyce, if I remember correctly. And um, it's just strange how that works out. Um, This idea of wanting to be with people, being longing after them in these kind of moments. Um, Sometimes as parents age, they have a very strong desire to be around their children. And they'll move to where they're at or something to that extent. They long to be with them while they still can. But this kind of longing isn't just reserved for death. Amen. 
uh, it applies to all of us, amen, so we're not going to get too gloomy tonight. Um, but it's not just for the aged, but all of us can and I think should have uh, this desire to long after. I think many of our military have experienced this being deployed. Uh, I know in my career I, I spent several years away from my family, all told, and um, you long to be with them again. I long to be with you, Paul says, and you want to be there. Um, I think of the Long family who just spent at least six months away. I can't remember what it was, all told. And um, there was a longing to be back together, no pun intended. Um, Why? Because they were in each other's heart, right? There's a deep love there. Phone calls won't suffice. Video, whatever, conferencing, whatever, won't suffice. Uh, But only being back in each other's presence will suffice. This is the kind of longing that Paul is expressing. He's writing a letter, but it's not enough. I long to be there. Um, I just don't think about you and, and wonder, yeah, I wonder what happened to Epaphroditus when I think of the... No, th- this was more than that. He says, I want to be with you. I want to see you. I want to know firsthand how you're doing. This Greek word is also translated as uh, earnestly desiring, desiring greatly to see you. And so that's what it means to long after another. It's kind of like when someone gets sick to their stomach from being separated from a loved one. The strong desire they sometimes can't eat. I could use that issue for just a small period, but um, their emotions are all stirred up. By the way, I'm going to finish what I've begun in 2021. And and speaking about our emotions are being all stirred up being sick to our stomach. I find it interesting here. Paul, he uses this phrase, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. What in the world does that mean? We know how we use the word bowels today. That doesn't sound very appealing, amen? Those who are opposed to our King James Bible will cite this phrase as a reason enough why we need a newer translation, even though the actual meaning of this word is bowels. You can't get any more literal than the translation is, amen? So why monkey with it? Well, I don't know. But but just because a word or phrase is more archaic, it doesn't mean we have to scrap the whole thing. Um, You know what you might try to do is just study a little bit. Well, not to mention, we still use phraseology similar to this today. We might say, I had a gut feeling. What kind of gut feeling did you have? (laughs) Okay, anyway. Uh, Somebody might say, trust your gut. Gut instinct. We use these phrases to describe a wide range of emotions. It's the center of who we are. It's the seat of our emotions and our affections. And this is how our translators understood it. Therefore, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this translation. You'll find that the Greek word here for bowels is also translated... uh, I can't remember how many times, once or twice, as the word tender. Uh, as in the tender mercies of our God in Luke one seventy eight, It's also translated inward affection in 2 Corinthians 7.15. You'll find it used in reference to bowels of mercies, bowels of compassion. And so when Paul writes, I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ, he's expressing how he longs after them as Christ longs after them. He says, I long for you uh, in the bowels of, not me, 
but Jesus Christ. So as Christ uh, felt, He feels. His affection was all bound on who Christ is and what Christ had done for, for them and, and for us. Amen. And, and Paul longed after them because they were in Christ and He was in Christ. There was a common bond there. The love Paul has for them is a love which is only authored by Christ. It's a fervent love. It's an earnest love. He does not say the bowels of a mother or a father or a spouse, but this is an affection that can only come from knowing God. It's not a love you can get from the world. This is only through knowing Christ as your Savior. And when you come to know Christ as your Savior, and you grow and you realize, I can only experience this in Christ. As Christ feels, Paul feels. This is the proper kind of longing. This is not a fleshly, lustful longing. This is spiritual. It's it's a longing Paul has for these believers because they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they are in the same spiritual war. They are facing the same spiritual battles. And and they're battle buddies. Amen. I can't believe I just used that term. Um, They are... uh, (laughs) I've been retired for five years enough, amen? And, and so they, I don't even know if the Air Force, does the Air Force even use that anymore? Yes? Oh, I'm so sorry, brother. Just go ahead and retire and get it over with, amen? Um, I get so sick of those little things. Anyway, th- th- this is this longing here, uh, as Christ longed, Paul's long, and, and listen, that's the key. As Christ longed for them, Paul longed for them, and, and that's what we should strive for. It, it's... A husband and wife, they can long after each other, but it not be uh, in Christ. It can be a fleshly thing. And Paul's going beyond that. This is the kind of longing between uh, like a husband and wife who have truly become one flesh. My dad would always emphasize, I can love your mom better by loving Christ more. So that's the key here. And though in a different sense, listen, we've all become one. Right? We are one body. We are one body in Christ. We have been united together through the blood. And God is my Father. Jesus is my brother. I am joint heirs with Christ tonight. This world's crazy. All right, I'm going to get ahead of myself there, but... So, though a different sense, we're one in Christ. What Christ has done and is doing in me is the same thing that Christ has done and is doing in you. And so we we have this common bond with one another. We're united in a more unique way than the world is united. Because we have an affection which cannot come from this world. Therefore, our desire should be to be together. That should be our desire. (laughs) Once again, I'm speaking this to the Wednesday night crowd, but our desire should be to be together. I wonder if you have this desire to be with the saints of God. Is there a longing to be in the house of God with the people of God? When there's this kind of longing, the preacher doesn't have to beg you to be in church or to be at family camp. Anniversary days. When there's a, and listen, I'm not saying if you're not there, you didn't have a longing, so don't give me the hate mail. 
but what I am saying is you'll have the desire. You'll have that desire to be together. When you find yourself in verse 8, then you will long to be here. You'll long to be with God's children. It's a shame that through this pandemic, some have shown no desire to be assembled back together. Some are close to losing a year off of their church life now. The desire to not get sick outweighs the desire to be with the saints. Imagine a survival rate of 98.3% nationwide, even with the admittedly inflated numbers they've said now, trumping God's command to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. Where's the longing? And again, before you send me hate mail, I know some have legitimate health issues. I understand that. I'm not against those all of those who haven't returned yet. But listen, there's, there's some that they're perfectly healthy. They should be here. You can back me up on Wednesday night. It's okay. So um, they can't see your faces. I would say, thankfully, several of those in high-risk categories have expressed their desire to be here. And I'm thankful for that. It's very encouraging to know that. I love knowing people really want to be here. Uh, I was so blessed when Brother Long came back, when he came through the doors Sunday night. Uh, and, and the reason it was shocking to me was because um, he had been deployed for, what, six months or so, and just arrived Saturday night. I think they drove up Sunday, and instead of just going home, said, no, I want to be at church. That's a longing to be with the, the saints. I, I don't know that I'd have that same longing, amen. Um, That's bad. This message is for me, amen. He just wanted to be back at his home church. That's longing for the saints in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And, and listen, in all seriousness, when I'm away from here, my desire is to be here. Um, I want to be back with you all. I remember when I received orders and we left for North Dakota and then Mississippi after that, uh, our heart was always here. Not that we hated where we were at. Not that our heart wasn't there, but there was a piece of our heart that was left here. Amen. And the desire was to be back. I wanted to be back in this church body. There was a longing. Nothing could satisfy that longing like actually being here. No amount of phone calls. Uh, didn't live stream them, but no amount of live stream would have sufficed. There's something different about being with the saints. Of course, now as your pastor, I have to tell you that I miss being with you all. Amen. <laughs> In all seriousness, I mean, there is a, it is burned deep within me. Um, the first time Brother Brock, that night we voted, and uh, he presented Pastor Brooks, it just burned in my heart, brother. I mean, I could feel it. It was like God did something. And, and, and he married me to this, this church, if you will. It was just burned in. And there's been a longing ever since. And so when we're away, we should desire to be back together. Um, thank God for letters. Thank God for long-distance communication. Thank God for the ability to stay connected uh, through social media and things like that. But it doesn't fully satisfy the heart. And, um, you know, I want to know that you're growing in the Lord. I want to look you in the eye. I want to know 
that uh, you're being faithful to the house of God, that you're walking even more closely with the Lord this year than you did last year, that you're staying faithful to the things of God. And, and listen, there ought to be that special bond between a pastor and the local church. And likewise, there ought to be a special bond between the local church and their pastor. That there ought to be that connection between the two of us. And when Paul says, in the tender mercies of Christ, I long to be with you, he wants to be in their presence again. I love when people testify that they would much rather be here than watching online. Now, I'm thankful they're watching. Amen. Like I said, we've got some people that uh, there's wisdom in not being here right now. But um, I thank God that their, their desire is to be here in person. And if that's the case, shouldn't we long for Sundays and Wednesdays? Yeah, and, and, and listen... <laughs> I know what it's like. I've been there. I know there's times when it's like, I don't really want to go tonight. I understand that. There's, there are those times. But uh, I would say the overall trajectory should be, I want to be there. I want to be with the saints. So we should long for church day. And uh, I, I think Wednesdays are so important. We should long for the time that we can all kneel together as a church in prayer. Um, a healthy church longs to be assembled together. We long to be... There's the church. There's the steeple. Open the door. There's all the people. So, everybody knows that, right? That wasn't like new to anybody, was it? You never heard of that, Larry? Oh, I was about to say, brother, you're from like the place where we learn with our hands. Amen? Um, I better get back on track here. A healthy church longs to be assembled together. Amen. Oh, man. Where am I at? Ah, we should long to pray together, sing together, gather around God's Word and hear preaching. And really, there should be that part of us that just wants to fellowship with each other. Because I know who I'm talking to tonight. I, I, know, I know what you're going through on Wednesday nights. You coming in from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday being in the world. I know what it was like when I was active duty and, you know, it's nonstop barrage of just language and filthiness and all the rest. And you just kind of get recharged. You get around some people who are like-minded, right? Not that we're perfect, um, but we're like-minded, and, and we want to be around those. So we ought to desire that thing. So do you have this kind of longing? It's more than just a showing up and going, uh, hey, how's it going? I'm not talking about this casual asking kind of thing. But um, it's a desire to know of our spiritual well-being. Can you really say, God is my record, how greatly I long after Liberty Baptist Tabernacle? Listen to these excerpts from some of Paul's letters. He'll say later on in this letter, chapter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. 1 Thessalonians 2.17 But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. 2 Timothy 1.4 Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. 
2 Timothy 4, 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. This is now Paul uh, wanting people from the church to come to him. He, he's locked up and do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. 2 uh, Timothy, same chapter, verse uh, 21 there of 2 Timothy 4. He says, do thy diligence to come before winter. And you can just sense how bad he's longing to have some contact with some like-minded people. Romans 1.11, he says, for I long to see you. Romans 15.23, having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Romans 15.32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. And so, is it a joy to you being assembled? Is it a time of refreshing to be gathered together as a church body? And I hope that it's something that you genuinely look forward to. Do you endeavor the more abundantly to see our faces with great desire? Is there a tenderness towards God's people? Now when Paul says he longs to be with him in the bowels of Christ, what we can learn from that statement is that Christ longs to be with us. He's saying, as Christ feels about you, I feel about you. And Christ longs for us to be with Him. That's such a comforting thought. Jesus said over in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 17, 24. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Remember to the thief on the cross, uh, after he got right, Jesus said in Luke 23, 43, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I, I love knowing Christ desires to be with me. And, and it's not just to be with you in heaven. But it's to be with you every day. It's a walk with God. Amen. And it's a, a getting into the Word of God. It's a daily prayer time, daily Word of God time, that devotion, if you will, uh, every day with the Lord. And not only does Christ want to be with us because we are His bride, but we as His bride should desire to be with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to what? Be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Paul says, I would rather be with the Lord. He makes it abundantly clear in this chapter, in verse 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having desire to part, and to be with Christ, which is far better. And listen, I'll fight for my country, but this country is not my final resting place. I have a better country where there's an eternal city whose builder and maker is God. No matter what becomes of America, my ultimate citizenship lies in heaven. I'll always, when all is said and done, I'll just be nothing more than a stranger and a pilgrim upon this earth. So don't get too attached to America if you haven't figured that out yet. One day the Lord will descend. He's going to straighten all this out. All that we held dear in this life will be purged with fire. So in the midst of all that's going on, I would say, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. 
Christ has an affection for us, and He will come again to receive us to Himself. We are longed after in the bowels of Christ. He has a tender affection for us. And don't lose sight of this with all the turmoil and all the uncertainty that's going on in the world today, in our nation today. Know that God has His eye on us. He's longing to be with us, and He's going to take care of His own. Hallelujah. Well, I don't think I'll have time to finish the next verse here, verse 9. So maybe we can just look at the the very beginning of this where uh, Paul says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. First we see that Paul prays for them. If you have the kind of affection that we're talking about here in verse 8, you will be in prayer for your church. You'll be in prayer for your church. What prayer does is it connects us more closely. We have a deeper concern when we start lifting up prayer requests for one another. And I I think it draws us closer as a church body. And so you'll be in prayer for your church. When we pray for for one another, I believe we'll come up and it'll be more than just a, hey, how's it going? Um, We'll be able to dig a little bit deeper, let them know how we're praying. Um, And listen, if you'll examine your prayers, you'll see where your focus lies. Whether it's a very selfish approach to God, um, you'll find out what's most important to you as you look at what you're praying about. You may discover your prayers are primarily selfish. Um, Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Amen? Amen. Jesus prayed for Himself in John 17. But remember when we were studying that chapter, only 20% of that prayer was for Himself. The other 80% He was praying for others. And so just a gauge there maybe. Um, But then pay attention um, what you are praying for others. And Paul, he's praying for believers... He's praying for their spiritual health. What you'll find with Paul is he, you don't find him praying, I'm praying that your persecution will be removed. I'm praying that you won't have to go through tribulation. You don't find Paul doing that. He, he doesn't pray that we'll escape the hardships of this life. But he prays for their spiritual well-being. That through the circumstance, through the trial, through the persecution, that they'll draw closer. How many times is our, are our prayers a little bit skewed? And really, we don't have to pray so much that God will deliver people from certain things. But listen, we need to pray that they'll grow through them. Now, deliver us from evil. Amen. But what is it you're going through? Maybe God's trying to teach you a lesson. And rather than trying to find a way of escape, just let God work in your life. Well... It's encouraging to know that others are praying for us, amen. I know it helps me to continue when I know that people are praying for me. And I hope it encourages you to stay faithful when you know others are praying for you. And listen, we should obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul, the Holy Ghost may have put it on his heart to write Philippians. He's like, ah, maybe later. The problem with maybe later is there's always something that comes up. And when we obey the impulse of the Holy Spirit and God lays somebody on your heart, I'd recommend at that moment... Reach out. Or at least make a note to read. I mean, reach out. You never know what that's going to do. I've had some very timely reach outs where, man, I'm going through it. I I remember I was sitting in my chair in tears, and uh, I got a text from another pastor um, just out of the blue. And it was exactly what I was going through. I don't know how he knew. But the Holy Spirit laid it upon his heart to, to reach out.
And I can say that about a lot of our members here. I still have the cards and letters in my desk. At just the right time. Why? Because somebody was obedient to reach out when the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of them. And that's what we need to do. We need to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. So if God lays it upon your heart to pray for another, pray for them. And then I would even recommend that you reach out to them. Let them know that you are praying for them. And don't be afraid to be specific either. We don't find Paul saying, well, I just pray for you. Praying for you. The end. No. Paul gets specific, doesn't he, with his prayers. He said, this is what I'm praying for. And he says here, I pray for you. What am I praying you for? That your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and in all judgment. He goes on to list some things here. But um, he gets specific about what it is he's praying for. Um, and, and you'll find this in all his letters, by the way. But here we see he prays that they would abound more and more in love. Um, you see, they had proven their love for him. And he's expecting that they should have a love for him. Because why? They're in Christ. Listen now, when somebody says they're in Christ, what's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit listed over in Galatians? Love. We ought to expect to have love for one another. So Paul didn't say, man, I'm praying that y'all will just have love. No, 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 no. You should already have love because you're in Christ. And so I'm praying that your love would abound more and more. Christians should be known as loving people. We love God. We love each other. And we love others. But I don't want you to think this means we have to compromise along the way. That's not what we're talking about. We'll see, Lord willing, next week here about, He's not just praying that their love would abound more and more, but that it would abound in knowledge and in judgment. Sometimes love will be standing in the face of opposition. Standing for the gospel. The lost would have us to believe now that if we preach hell, then we're not loving. But being honest about what God's Word says is the most loving thing we can do. This is why a church which has diminished God's Word on the reality of hell really doesn't love their people. They're damning people to the very place they refuse to preach. And they'll say things like, my God wouldn't allow people to suffer in hell. Oh, really? What Bible are you reading? I'm not being ugly. I'm not being funny. Listen, hell's a very real place and we need to be serious about it. If we believe what this Bible says, we'd be reaching people for Christ. And so I'm not making fun of the matter at all. But what Bible are you reading? The Bible's clear. Amen. Well, Paul here, his prayer for them is that their love would abound more and more. And when our love abounds more and more, what we'll do is we'll do away with the divisive silliness. I'm not saying there aren't issues that are, are big and that will divide. I understand that, but I'm talking about these little petty things. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. When your love abounds more and more for the saints, we're going to get over the fact that uh, Billy Bob over here hasn't grown to the level of Mike Sullivan. <laughs> We're going to get over the fact that they still need to grow more. Are you with me? Because here's what we do. We get very frustrated with those that just kind of rub us the wrong way. Because I know the moment I ask how you're doing, I'm going to get the litany. 
well, you know, I got an ingrown toe, and, you know. <laughs> you know I'm right, amen? And, and so we have to get over that, and we have to realize, no, I love them the same. Um, they're growing in Christ. I'm still growing in Christ. And we have to realize none of us have arrived. Even those of us in here who have matured, we understand that God's still working on us. We still haven't arrived. We're still not God's gift to Christianity. And so we have to understand that. And I think having our love abound more and more will do that. We'll be patient with people as God performs His good work in them. So we have to love one another through our faults. Not justifying our sin nature. Not justifying sin but understanding that we're all being renovated. And so, for me personally, uh, I'm loving, I'm welcoming to anybody who wants to come in here. That's my desire for our church. I want you to be loving and to be welcoming of everybody that comes in here. You say, well, they're, they're gender confused. I don't care. Well, they're in a homosexual, I don't care. I'm not saying we're going to compromise on our membership standards. Amen? Where I draw the line is when you come in here and you try to spread that amongst our people. That's when I have to step up as a pastor and say, no, you can't do that. But if you want to come in and listen to the preaching of God's Word because you're genuinely seeking truth, then I don't care who comes in here to listen. We need to be welcoming. I'm so glad somebody was welcoming to me. May it be said of this body of believers that our love is abounding more and more. So until next week... Let's pray.